This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com, the leaders in checklist-based trading strategy. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. I'll teach you a literal checklist so you can tick off items and be decisive very quickly. Get across to TraderCobb.com where there's a bunch of free content there for you to have a look at. And of course, if you're interested in having me come to your city, click and register for the live events coming up and filling fast. Have a great day. Visit TraderCobb.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TraderCobb Crypto Show. I've got a fantastic guest with me tonight, a man who has exited a bunch of startups in the past, who's now in the blockchain space and has been for quite some time. I've got Dennis Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Crypto Trader News and also author, The Whole Cryptopreneurs. Hard to say, but a very good title. Thank you so much for your time, Dennis. Hey, thank you, Craig, very much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure. Mate, the pleasure is all mine. Look, I'm really interested in getting down to the details here because of your background, but also where you're at and what you've been doing uh, in the last couple of years. What I want to start with, Dennis, is can you give us a little bit of background as to uh, what you've done in the past and I guess what brought you into this space? Sure, Craig. Well, I have always said for a long time that my job is to be a storyteller. And it's gone really well for me. I, I started a long time ago. I'm a, I, I, there's a chapter in the book about crypto geezers. Uh, I'm definitely got the geezer part down. <laughs> so I'm not, a, I'm not a spring chicken. I've been around the block a few times. I've seen a lot of stuff. And making complicated things easy to understand has always been what I feel like has been my, my best uh, ability. And uh, so that got me into this industry. Uh, just a friend of mine called me up. They said, we're starting this project. We need some help with our marketing. We don't know what, you know, it was really complicated. And it was really, uh, I, I knew nothing about magical uh, monopoly money at the time. And I uh, just jumped in, got started, started, uh, you know, trying to figure this all out and figure out how to, to, to make it understandable for normal people. And that, I got hooked and uh, I've been around uh, in the industry now for, for a few years. Uh, I rode that, you know, the wave of the, the big ICO wave uh, a bit and uh, saw a lot of things and, and got to the point where I'm just kind of frustrated with what I'm seeing and what I've dealt with and, you know, what I've, I've witnessed firsthand on the inside of a lot of projects. And that got me thinking about, you know, I think we're at a crossroads and we need a new, a new way of doing this so that the industry actually starts delivering on its promises. I really like that viewpoint. I'm, uh, I'm with you in a big way. And it's very interesting the way you got into the, into the space is uh, very similar to mine. In 2013, I was introduced to Bitcoin and I kicked to the curb as, a, as more or less a foreign exchange trader. And uh, the right person, one of my mentors, business mentors, actually spoke to me and sort of brought me back into it. And because of the respect I had for this individual, I put my toe in the water. And by jingo, by George, am I glad that I did because I found the most volatile goddamn market in the world. So very similar type of entry into the market. Now, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about the 2017 ICO boom because you're a marketing specialist and a storyteller. And that's what the job of marketing really is. You need to tell stories that are compelling, gripping, and bring people into that narrative. Now, did you work with a bunch of ICOs during that period as a marketing specialist or was it sort of just from the outside? Yeah, I did. I actually did work on, uh, you know, I didn't work on the big ones, the, 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 the ones that are, you know, that maybe some of a, a lot of the audience is thinking about, but I've, I've raised over 50 million for projects and 
uh, and I've seen a lot. I've seen it all from the inside. And, you know, I think that is what is burning so many people right now is because what you see on the outside is definitely not what's going on on the inside in a lot of these projects. And, you know, that's got to change. And, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, the needs of the founders of the projects have to be aligned with the needs of the people buying the tokens. And if it's not that way, uh, the only outcome is failure. And let, let's talk about success, right? So we, we understand there's been a lot of ICO failure. We all, everyone's very, very well aware of that. And if you're very new to the show, perhaps you're not, but there's a little history lesson for you. A lot of ICOs have kind of lost 99, 100%. Some of them have just completely vanished from that big boom period of time when they were worth X amount of token, whatever, yeah, blah, 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 right? But was there anything there from your view, obviously being quite closely, uh, well, not associated, but you were working within that space and helping these projects. Was there anything there that really stood out to you as being, A, the reason why they failed, and B, the reason why a certain project succeeded? Yeah. Uh, the, I, the, the first part is easier. The first part is very easy for me to see. They're uh -huh. not business people. Uh, you know, you can't take uh, a 22-year-old, dump 50 million bucks or 20 million bucks on their lap and think that something's good is going to come of that. It just won't work. They're, they're, they don't know what to do. You can die. A project can die of having too much money just as easily as it can die of not having any. Yep. And uh, that has happened so many times. I've seen so many projects die because they can't, uh, because they start fighting between the founders. They, uh, uh, they have no, no management of their funds. They, they, they suddenly feel like they're traders and that they should take all this money they have and, you know, invest to make it bigger. And then they wake up one morning and they've not delivered up on their promise. They can't pay the rent. They can't pay their, their developers and they're basically screwed. Uh, so that's the, the why. Uh, the ones that work, the ones that are going to have the future are the ones that solve problems for real people. And that's the whole point of my book is we need projects that solve real world problems for real world people. And that doesn't mean sharding and driving your transactions per second way up. All that's great. All that tech stuff is, yeah, is wonderful. Session, we can but it's only one very small part of a business. The product, I mean, go look at McDonald's. Their hamburgers are not their strong point. Their strong point is the business they built. The real estate they and buy. We, yeah, the real estate they buy, the systems they put in place, the marketing they do, it all works together in a, in a holistic way. And if all you have is a good engineering idea, go work for IBM. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, that's where you should be. Do you think there's too many dreamers? I mean, the audience already knows my take on a lot of these ICOs. And I spoke to you briefly, Dennis, prior to us uh, hitting record on this interview about the fact that a lot of these ICOs were basically a glorified university experiment with a, a bit of English, a bit of art, a little bit of buddy, you know, communication skills. And all of a sudden they raised 20, 30 million. Of course, you, you've touched on the fact that you put 20, 30 million or even five million in the pockets of somebody who has no experience. And what do you expect? but disaster. I understand that. I've watched that. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. 
Are you now seeing in this day, and let's not forget that with crypto assets, we do tend to see that within 12 months, we might see the same cycle as we'll see in, the, in traditional markets every, well, it used to be every seven years. Now it's becoming more prolonged. Uh, they're bigger runs and they're bigger busts. But uh, do you think that nowadays the people coming into the market to do raises are more mature with more of a background and also i'm seeing a lot more vc type raising going on do you think that's positive or negative for the space uh, that is it wow that's a great question you know from my experience and i may i may earn some enemies here but uh the motivations behind most funds are not long-term motivations. No, they're they they are there to see the token hit an exchange, make money, go through the sell out, and go on to the next one. Yep. And that's another classic example of how the little guy gets screwed, and how the project doesn't really matter. And that's not the way I feel that we need to be building this industry. We need projects that are real, that are solving real problems, and the founders need to have enough resources to actually deliver on their promises, but they gotta be motivated to do that. And we can't be obsessively worrying and thinking about token prices, because mm -hmm. when the focus is on the token price, then the project has gone out the window. But let's shift, right? Let's just shift that. The whole um, you know, fund structure, the VC corporate world coming in and, and funding a project. There's a couple of things to consider there. It's, it's not just about the fund wanting to exit and make their money and go back to investors and so on and so forth. Because without having the depth of market, well, they can't exit anyway. Because if, they don't have, if you don't have a community, which is the average Joe on the street, they, they can't exit even if they want to. Now, we talked about good projects back through 2017, early 2018 during that boom. And yes, they raised very well from relatively inexperienced or unsophisticated investors that had a lot of hype going through their veins and also a lot of crypto profits. But why can't, why can't a project that wishes to go to market, that has a good idea, wants to be around for at least the next 10 years. Heaven forbid they get, you know, if they get bought out, they get bought out. That's a different story of just shutting the bloody thing down. But why can't a good project be seen as a good project by having good founders, good team, good structures, good experience, good ideas, a good pathway to the market, but also still incorporate that uh, VC money as well as the community, because at the end of the day, as a business owner, the choice is yours. You can either take the money from a VC or you can dictate to them what available uh, tokens or equity is allowed for them. Now they can always turn back and say, screw you, nah, I'm out. But if that project is good enough and strong enough and they believe in it enough, all that screw you that the VC is gonna say, as long as they communicate that back to the the telegram groups and the rest of the uh, you know, normal human market, that'll be a badge of honor. Why can they not do more of that? It's a win-win. Sure. I agree. I mean, I think that's, I think that the, 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 the actual future is using what the strengths of our industry to actually reform the model. I think that the, uh, the ICO, like we knew it is, is, is pretty much over. Uh, I, uh, in a book, I talk about a new idea called a distributed ICO, which is a smart contract based 
fundraising method that actually doesn't give the project all the money up front. It's, it's slower, it takes time, they have to deliver on promises, uh, and it actually allows the founders to focus on what they're supposed to be doing, which is building the project. They should have enough money each quarter to reach the goals of that quarter and to keep going. And uh, I really believe that by doing that and using a smart contract that makes it all transparent, that uh, we can get to what you're saying. Where the money can come from VCs, it can come from private investors, it can come from your grandma if you want. But the purpose is to actually meet the goals, solve the problems, make life better for other people. And you'll have those 10, 15, 20 years of success ahead of you. that's how businesses work. I mean, businesses yeah. don't work by hyping themselves into a frenzy and then going buying a condo in Belize. Yeah, that's not a business. That's a that's something else. And what ends up happening there is the whole community needs to be spent more time on than the actual product itself. And that's what I saw as a big issue was that if the community wasn't being kept up to date in the Telegram groups or whatever, people would run away from it, which is the wrong idea. So coming back again to the, uh, the, the perfect world, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about what you've covered in uh, Cryptopreneurs, your book. Um, for us to have that sort of level of maturity, whereby someone invests in a project or a token, whether it be you know, an STO or whether there's equity involved or just tokens, do you think we need to get a more mature market because right now, no matter what you say or do, no matter what you say or do, there are still people out there that still think that we're going to see a 2017, that we're going to see another big boom like that. And there are people out there that truly believe it will happen again. And then look, they may be right, but it is not the future of the industry. Do we need more sophisticated investors, more intelligent, more mature, more, level-headed people to be able to get into these projects and let them do their work for the next year or two, having faith in what they suggested they would pull off the team and their objectives. Definitely. And, and you know, I, I, you're right. You're, you're totally right. I mean, maybe that is a perfect world scenario. Uh, you know, people were buying, uh, tulips in, in, you know, in, in, when, when was it in the 1600s, like crazy, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is human nature. And, and, and you know, you're, there may be another big, you know, boom of, of, of uh, project mania like this again. I don't know, maybe you know, it could happen. And, and, and if it does, there'll probably be another wave. And, and a lot of poor people will get drowned in the, in the, in the, in the frenzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of part of what capitalism is, I guess. But I think that the underlying current has to be what you're saying. We've got to get our, you know, we've got to get our ideas clear. We've got to sit down and say, hey, this isn't reasonable. I, you know, you can't expect the CEO of every project to be on Telegram 24-7 answering every person's questions. That, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's, that, that's silly. It's a misuse of resources. But uh, but we do have the ability now to use the blockchain and to use these tokens and to use, uh, you know, use the mechanisms to build innovative projects that maybe would never have been built without these, this ability. But we've got to do it right. And we have to have people with level heads in the, running these projects and actually, you know, they've got to be dedicated to, to meeting their goals. Absolutely. Past business experience is you can't discount that. I mean, a lot of 
younger people, and I don't say this to be, you know, um, condescending at all, but I mean, when I was 22, although I'd been running my own little, little businesses since I was like eight years old, there was no way in the goddamn world that at 22 years old, you give me $10 million and I would know what to do with it. Now, I'm not against young people doing great things. And a lot of people re relate themselves uh, very much like any uh, tech startup. If it's a tech startup and the person who's a CEO or whatever has an ego, they'll say, I'll do it my way because that's what Steve Jobs did. It's like, yeah, but you're not Steve Jobs. There's only one <laughs> of those. Like, you're not Elon yeah. Musk. Like, it's a wonderful uh, thing to aspire to. But until you get some runs on the board, you are just who you are and you've got to work your ass off. So with the that's young right. people, I'm all for that. They're, they're the coders. They're smart. They've got vision. They understand. They connect. It's great. But there's got to be a chairman or chairwoman or, or directors that are there to help to guide and, and make sure that ego doesn't become a part of the business. When I was in consensus in 2018, oh my goodness me, I saw some absolutely obscene displays of wealth by very, very young people. And this is not their money from their pocket. This is project <laughs> money. And for me, oh, like, yes. you can throw a party, but what's that actually do? It doesn't achieve a goddamn thing. And it's very frustrating seeing so many people have having, you know, whether they're clueless, completely clueless, and they just punted and, and made, made losses. Look, that happens very, very often. We saw it in 96, uh, 95, 96 in the dot-com, and then again, throughout 99 to 2000. It's not something that's new. What does upset me is the irresponsible use of people's resources when they had faith in a project, whether they were blind faith or not. You've got a responsibility. And, and the issue with the lack of governance meant that these young uh, cryptopreneurs uh, were able to just kind of do whatever the hell they wanted to. And that was it. And it, it's very frustrating. So what's the future of our space? I totally agree. What's happening? Yeah, well, you know, in the book, I say that I think Mark Zuckerberg did a humongous disservice to, to the world in general by creating this mythology of the young uh, dorm room CEO that stands yeah. out and becomes a paladin for the, for the, for the world. I mean, I think we can all, yeah, I mean, look, look at where, where, where that got him now. I'm okay. He sure. I wish I were ha the owner of Facebook, but, uh, but I think we're all starting to see that that isn't necessarily uh, all it's cut out to be. Yeah. Projects need accountants, projects need uh, marketers, projects need, uh, administrators and operations people, they need to be taking care of the fundamentals of running a business. And yep. if you're not, I'm sorry, you're not a cryptopreneur. You're a, you're something else. You're a, you're a scammer. You're a, yeah, you're, you're a cancer. That's what you are. And, uh, and yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, a 23 year old egomaniac with the money thinking that he's going to be the next big thing. But man, you gotta, you gotta prove it. You gotta, you gotta get out there and do the work. Exactly my goddamn point, Dennis. I, I'm on top of that 100%. So talk to me. In the next five years, obviously, we've, we've got um, throughout uh, 2018, we, there's a lot of talk about uh, the, um, yeah, what was it, the, uh, the, the ETFs, which for me was quite fascinating. It, it told me a lot about the market and how little um, the market understood. Um, and I'm not, again, not being condescending. I've been in markets for 13 years. The ETF didn't mean a great deal to me. I, 
for me, it was more about leveraged and margin products. It was about having derivatives in the space because derivatives, if you want to bring in this institutional money, which everybody was talking about, yeah, institutional money. If you want to bring that institutional money in, you, you need to have derivative products so they can hedge themselves. They can get the volume. They can look after a portfolio, even if it's just 1% or 0.1% of the entire portfolio. That helps the market enormously, but they cannot and will not play a game without being able to hedge their risk. So I was always about the derivative products. A lot were about the ETF. Now from there, we do have more derivatives. We've got back launching very soon. The CME futures have increased significantly. And I can say my indication of institutional money is more on the CME volume because you don't have your everyday trader playing on the CME. You just don't. Doesn't work that way, right? It is there for more institutions. We've seen that pick up. We've seen the market pick up and do 350 odd percent to its highs and it's pulled back about 30 odd, 35 percent. We've seen a lot more positivity coming into this space. What does the next five years hold here? And what do you think we're going to see transform? Because it is a very new industry still. It is very much a, you know, possibly dot com post 1996. Where, where do you see the next five years sitting? Yeah, I think it goes directly to the to 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 what we're saying. We we the, imagine what your the token prices will be when instead of having five, ten million people in this industry, you have fifty or one hundred and fifty or two hundred million people in this industry because projects are actually reaching the mainstream. Delivering, yeah. That's what we need. We need projects that are touching every everyday people and solving real problems. That's where you, you go from looking at a, a trend chart to actually seeing the, the bottom of the, the whole pie expand enormously. And it's all about projects that solve real problems, that really do things. I mean, you know, let's quit worrying about, you know, the next tweak on our consensus algorithm. I mean, really, that's not going to solve anything. We need to be thinking about how do we solve problems for people all around the world? The, you know, how do we make people get paid every day instead of waiting for payday every, every month? Or how do we make you know, people who are far from banks have all of the services they need or, or make it easier to send money across borders? These are the real problems that when they reach the mainstream and they use the technology, that's when this thing really blows up and we really start reaching potential. Can I tell you something that I don't think is really important, Dennis? Yep. Who is Satoshi Nakamoto? I couldn't give two shits. I could not care <laughs> less. It sucks up so much brain power of so many people that they could be educating themselves on important matters, but yet they're reading this absolute babble and it's horrible and it's frustrating and it's annoying. Final question, Dennis. Final question. With the space over the next three to five years, right? I, I believe we will see some big moves uh, for the speculators. I believe that we will see the space transform. We will see leaders, new leaders come out. We'll see old leaders regain. We'll see all sorts of different things, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like a football season. Things will change, but there will be a, a continuation of certain projects and whatnot, as long as we can keep the momentum going. The big question I've got, 
is if I'm, I mean, it makes perfect sense for Facebook to have Libra, but I'm going to talk about something like Starbucks, right? Starbucks, an international conglomerate, massive, massive company. Um, you know, they're all over the world. They're, they're massive, right? Now, what Starbucks does, they give you free internet, so you stay there and yada, yada, yada. We, we get their business plan and it's a fantastic one. And it's been proven to work. Now, somebody like uh, Starbucks, if they were to issue a cryptocurrency, right? an actual cryptocurrency, not only will they be able to track where their users are through their relationship with Facebook, because Facebook knows more about me than I do, they'll also have an understanding for you know, where people spend their money, at what time of day, what sort of products they're spending money on, and, and, and what sort of things in, in terms of like, was it a rainy day, was it a stormy day, was there a hurricane close? They'll have the umpteen level of data on our spending habits. Now, is that positive? for them, or is it also positive for us because they can truly work out what we genuinely want? Is it going to make a more efficient world or is it just going to make a more profitable enterprise? Oh, wow. What a great question to end with, Greg. Uh, I wish I knew the answer. Uh, you know, hey, I, I, can, I can remember back when I was just starting out, I was giving a course at this big company. They, 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 I, I got hired to come and give, teach something. And, the, and I remember it was in a boardroom and the, one of the top executives, he sat down and he, he made this really kind of, I think he was trying to catch me, made this question. And, 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 I, and I looked at him, I said, well, you know, the answer is I don't know. Uh, and uh, it was funny that, that, that really turned things around. Actually, I think I got a, a job offer and a whole bunch of stuff happened just because I had the, the gall to actually admit that I don't know. It's, it's okay not to know. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it's inevitable. I, I don't think that, he, that we're going to, uh, I don't think that we're going to put this back in the box. Uh, no. you know, it's it's already out the cat's out of the bag and, and across the, the road already so uh, good or bad I think we have to find the way to live with it and to make sure that it, it we can kind of keep it under control yeah and um, you know I think that it, it's it, we've got to find the silver linings even if there are some some gray rainy days out there well, I just, from my point of view, when Facebook came out and they mentioned Libra and all that sort of stuff, A, I think it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, piece of free PR for our space. I thought it was just an absolute, you can't buy that. Sort Me of too. PR, right? Totally. Totally it's, agree. It's amazing. But then I thought about it from a business point of view. They are very well known for owning our data. They know where we are, what we do, what we say, where we buy. They know everything. Like you can literally be speaking with your phone close by about talking about an ice bath. And then two days later, there's all these adverts for all these cry, cryo things and ice baths. And they're very, very, very sneaky and very, very good. Now, I don't trust Facebook as far as I can goddamn throw it. But can you imagine if you're Zuckerberg and if you're a shareholder of Facebook, not only do they know where you are, what you're doing, where you like to holiday, what your income bracket is, what you buy, all that sort of information. But if they owned an understanding on your spending, they literally will own the world. Now, I don't know if that's a, I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I think it's more centralized because Facebook becomes almost a, a government of the world online as a platform. Um, and I think that's a little bit scary. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about Facebook's uh, foray into Libra. The good news about that is that as they fight with Congress back and forth, all the noise, all the shouting, all the screaming, it's all great publicity because Bitcoin 
is not centralized. It's a place where it's a digital asset that already exists, has a track record, it's there. I think it can only help our industry. But I mean, do you want to get my point about them owning literally everything? That's a little bit scary, right? I, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the answer is there's got to be alternatives as well. Uh, you know, that's why I think there's now is the time for real projects to actually be building and coming out and hey, maybe they'll give Mark Zuckerberg a run for his money. Uh, you know, Facebook isn't, isn't the, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they haven't been around for 150 years. It may not be here 30 years from now. Very, very true. Ladies and gentlemen, I've had a fantastic conversation with Mr. Dennis Lewis, the CEO, co-founder of Crypto Trader News, and also the author of Cryptopreneurs. Now, Dennis, please tell us where we can find out more information about the book, how to get a hold of it, and what, how we plug into you, mate. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks, Craig. Please just uh, go to cryptopreneurs.club. Uh, that's uh, kind of half crypto, half entrepreneurs, cryptopreneurs.club. Uh, sign up there. You can get the first four chapters of the book for free. Uh, and then the whole book is on Amazon, Behold the Cryptopreneurs. Uh, and yeah, I would just love to have a, a wave of your audience jumping on and uh, starting a conversation about this. Mate, I'm sure you will because it's a very interesting look into this space from somebody who's not just been in this space only, but a seasoned veteran entrepreneur, a man who has exited plenty of different projects, has a very good handle on storytelling and marketing to get your head around exactly what's going on in the space. And I'm sure a very, very entertaining read. Dennis, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Good luck with everything. Good luck to you too. Thank you very much. It's been, uh, I've had a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic evening or morning. Bye for now. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com, the leaders in checklist-based trading strategy. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. I'll teach you a literal checklist so you can tick off items and be decisive very quickly. Get across to TraderCobb.com where there's a bunch of free content there for you to have a look at. And of course, if you're interested in having me come to your city, click and register for the live events coming up and filling fast. Have a great day. Visit tradercob.com now.